Welcome to the Bicultural Podcast. The Bicultural Podcast celebrates bicultural individuals and gives insight into cultural differences to help you improve business relationships. The podcast is presented by myself, Janina Neumann, the bilingual creative, social entrepreneur and business owner. Welcome to the Bicultural Podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Clementine Terrell, founder of Clementine Terrell Translation. Hi Clem, how are you? Oh, hi Yanina, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. So pleased to have you on my podcast today. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for um, having me on your podcast today. Um, so my name is uh, Clementine, or Clem for short. Um, I'm a native French speaker. Uh, I live in the UK in uh, Dorset on the south coast. Um, so I grew up in France, uh, in the Burgundy region of France, um, and was raised there, went to school there, went to uni there, uh, and um, came to the UK in 2004. Uh, so I have been here for 17 years now. So half my life in France and half my life um, has been spent in the UK. Um, I, um, I have a degree in English language, literature and civilization um, from a French university. Um, and my whole career has been based on languages. Um, so I was a, a, a French teacher in the UK um for 10 years uh, and then for the last seven years um, I have been working as a translator from English to French. That sounds great and um, so tell us a little bit more about your you know how you got into um, languages for example why you decided to study English language and civilization. Sure. Um, well, English was always my favourite subject uh, at school. I started uh, when I was 11 at secondary school and right from the first lesson, it was just love at first sight. I just absolutely adored it. Favourite lesson. Um, and I discovered that I just liked languages in general. Um, so in France, you do your first language and then you uh, pick up a second language, usually about two years later. Um, so I started learning German. Um, I also did a couple of years of Latin, which I really enjoyed as well. And then um, a couple of years later, I did Italian as well as a, a third foreign language. Um, so um, I did my baccalaureate in France. Uh, it was a literature baccalaureate languages with all my languages. Um, but English was always my favourite. Um, so I decided to carry that on at university, focusing on English um, as a main subject. Uh, my degree was brilliant. It was very kind of wide. Um, so I studied um, British and American uh, English uh, language, linguistics, um, civilization, uh, literature, did a lot of translation from uh, English to French and French to English um, and yeah it was great. <laughs> oh wow that's really interesting and also it must have been interesting to um, kind of view um, almost history as well um, with a different yes. perspective on. Um, tell us a little bit more about that how you found that. I mean every every kind of 
subject you know part of the degree was really really interesting um my my favorite bits were the, the kind of the pure language bits so learning about the grammar um and the translation um side of things as well the linguistics um but that doesn't kind of it doesn't exist by itself you also need to be learning about the culture at the same time to understand like they kind of feed it to each other um so what I decided to do because it was all very kind of theoretical so we you know we learned about things um but within my degree the, the three-year degree there wasn't actually a year abroad that was planned um, at the time it was quite a long time ago um so what I decided to do is in the summer uh, after each year of my degree I came over to the UK um, to work as an au pair because I wanted to experience the culture and the country that I'd been learning at uni um, and I wanted to you know put everything um, into action and actually use the language that I've been learning about so I did three summers um, as an au pair um, and that complemented my degree so so well it helped me so much Oh, wow. That sounds really cool. And yeah. also, I can imagine that also that experience also helped you later on when you became a French teacher as well. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It just, I think you, you have to, you have to immerse yourself in the culture and country in order to understand it. You can't, you can't just learn from it because the way you learn from it, you know, in your uni course, your degree or at school is it's great, but it's just not the real thing. I think you do have to go into the country and experience it for yourself. That's really cool. Um, and yeah. also, especially for those um, those students to understand, you know, the applications of learning French it must have been really good for you to have that um, experience as well, how you can actually apply it to your life. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I could see as well the progression. So I... Um, after my degree, I um, I came over. I stayed in the UK um, after my summer as an au pair, and I worked through the British Council as a French language assistant oh. in um, in a private school in Birmingham, a private school for girls, um, which was <laughs> it wasn't it, it was such an amazing school. It was I I got there the first time, and I honestly thought it was like Hogwarts of <laughs> Harry Potter. It was. It was an amazing building and, you know, perfect people with perfect uniforms, uh, like a private school. Um, and I had a great year. Um, and yes, it was, it was, defi- it was definitely a, a bit of a culture shock for me um, at the beginning. Um, but then the more I learned about the culture, the more I could um, relate to my pupils that I was teaching French to. Um, and the more I could relate to them, the more they could relate to me back as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And so tell us a little bit more about the things that you did to kind of find out more about British culture, but also, you know, maintaining that, you know, French identity as well and later becoming bicultural. Tell us a little bit more about that journey. Learning about the culture, it, it is literally, I, I obviously I came to England and I lived here. Um, I also met my then boyfriend, now husband, um, who taught me a lot. <laughs> um, I was just 
completely immersed. So I was speaking English all the time. I was living like a Brit. I was, you know, uh, going to the cinema, uh, watching British TV, listening to, you know, the radio in English, um, um, making friends who, you know, just it's, it's all the little bits, isn't it? All the little things that you... You talk to people and you live in the country. Yeah, I can relate to that. Um, but also, I think it's really important to also think about, you know, when you're so immersed in that culture that you don't lose the other side. And I think I never lost my kind of German side because I had mm. my parents here. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that helped me to like keep my German going but also kind of yeah. a different perspective on things like we'd watch um, German TV as well as um, English TV and I think having that balance is also really important because I came here to the UK when I was um, quite young so you know my teenage years were in the UK rather than in Germany so you obviously yeah. um, have all those you know activities around you which someone who might be um, coming here as an adult might not have because they might be at work. So they don't really get that full experience as well. Yeah, that's no, that's definitely, that's something that I've had to work. I have to work at, you know, that kind of the keeping the French identity as well. Um, but my whole family is still in France, you know, my parents, my brother, my grandparents, my whole family is still in France. Um, and I was quite lucky at the beginning because I was in education. I had all the school holidays uh, so pretty much every school holiday, I would go back to France and spend, you know, a couple of weeks or longer in the summer uh, and then immersing myself back into the French culture. And it's funny, actually, because when I would go back to France, my parents said that I spoke French with a little bit of an English accent for the first couple of days, <laughs> um, which I couldn't tell. But they were like, yeah, yeah, you do. And then it would just take yeah, maybe a day or two to kind of settle back into things. And then I would go back to England and my husband would say, you definitely, your French accent is definitely back stronger now for the first couple of days. And then I would, you know, kind of start losing it a little bit. Um, so it's quite funny in that sense. Yeah. But it's really important definitely to keep the link between the two, especially now um, that I've got, I've got children and it's so important for me that they are, you know, they have that link with France because we live in the UK. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely relate to, you know, having an accent. It's like you have an accent <laughs> in the UK and you have a slight accent yeah. in German and then people always, you know, focus on the accent rather than who you are. It's like you... Yes. <laughs> because you end up, you know, if you followed what they said, you'd you basically belong to no, no one. Oh, that's exactly how I feel. I when I'm here, I'm the French girl, and then when we go back to France to visit my family, um, we're, we're the British. We're the British cousins. That's what we're known as. Even me. Um, so yeah, it feels like I belong to both, but then I also belong to neither. You know, it's a bit of a in between situation, but I quite like it. Yeah. No, I I think I think there's some real value in that, and also. You know, um, you know, you bring both sides as well to like different situations. Like, for example, if you have discussions, you know, you can you can bring in actually, you know, have you considered this point of view? And I think that's yeah. how, you know, how you're kind of shaped 
um, as a person as well and your personality and I think that's that's really important as well um, definitely we've had so many interesting uh, discussions you know with between the two families you know me my husband and my French family this family over the years just comparing you know how we do things and how we say things it's always good fun yeah yeah I, I also enjoy those kind of discussions is yeah. there anything in particular that you would like to share about some of, like the differences that you might have discussed um god I mean there's so many of yes but um I think one of the kind of main events where it was kind of evident that it got the difference was when we got married um we got married in France uh, and my husband's family came over from England and we had a bilingual, bicultural wedding and we tried to incorporate as much as possible also to, of the two cultures. Um, and it was just, it was just hilarious to see, you know, to see my, my husband's family kind of experiencing a French wedding. It's just so different. And we just had, um, because it was so far away, they stayed for a few days as well. It wasn't just one day. Um, and, you know, it was everything from the wedding ceremony. You know, in France, we have two different ceremonies. You get, you have to get married at the registry office um, and then at the church if you want to. So we had two and they are straight one after the other. Um, so that baffled everybody. Um, then, you know, we had, we had drinks uh, and then we had... Um, a very very long meal as French meals are um, and the wedding finished at like maybe 6am we had you know unlimited champagne um, and it was just it was just really good fun and just you know especially I think for the, the British guests to see um, how we celebrated the French wedding so that's a particularly good memory for me. Oh, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> and, you know, it just reminds me, it's a real skill to actually bring, you know, you're almost bringing these two communities together. And I think yeah. that's a real skill, which you learn from, like, being bicultural. You understand, you yeah. know, um, the values of both cultures and, you know, introduce, um, you know, your family to, um, to that culture as well. And I think that comes, like, from, like, being an, having an openness and also an acceptance, you know, um, of the other culture, um, which, you know, creates like these um, feelings of, um, you know, um, curiosity. And I think that's really great if you take people yeah. on that journey rather than if people um, experience, you know, a different culture, perhaps not in a, you know, in a family setting, but, you know, if we, if we met a different culture through like, um, like meeting someone on the street or, um, on um, on a um, video conferencing call, you know, you know, sometimes that we have that, you know, fear. Sometimes we might be fearful or suspicious of like the way people act. And I think, I yeah. think it's a really good trait for um, bicultural people to almost be like have that show that you can accept a different culture and not lose your own culture. And I think that's a really good um, yeah. trait to have. Definitely. It definitely enriches you. You know, it's it's a positive thing. Definitely, yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about how you came um, to create your um, business. 
I do have to mention my of uh, you know previous career. So I was a French teacher um, in the UK for ten years, um, and as much as I enjoyed it, it just at the end it just wasn't for me anymore. Um, and actually, when you teach a language, when I, I taught French, um, I wasn't using my French to very high standards, and I was teaching up to GCSE, um, and I felt frustrated. I wanted to use my languages uh, in a more in a deeper way, kind of, you know, not just talking about or teaching children about talking about holidays or whatever. Um, so in 2014, um, I decided to leave teaching and try to get into the translation industry, which is, it's always been what I wanted to do. I just fell into teaching somehow. Um, but it was it was time. Um, so I, I went freelance, self-employed. Uh, and I was really lucky to find um, some really, really good clients pretty quickly. Um, and uh, they were in the kind of marketing and e-commerce um, sectors. Um, and I, I just absolutely loved it. Uh, and seven years later, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still doing it. So I started freelance um, and I worked, I worked with my clients about two and a half years. Um, and then I... Um, I got an in-house uh, translation job for a, a distribution company mm -hmm. working with um, Amazon mostly. Uh, and that was there for about three and a half years. Uh, and then the, over the last year, uh, I've been back working freelance. And that's when I set up my, my current business, Clementine Taylor Translation. Um, and the, the experience that I gained um, at, the, at my previous job is what, you know, made me decide to, to really go for it this time and to specialise in e-commerce, marketing and Amazon translation, which is what I currently do. That sounds fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about what excites you about working in the e-commerce space. Um, so the marketing and e-commerce space, I think it's the it's the the randomness of the topics that you get to work with, you know, um, all the things that get sold on the internet. Um, so one day I'll be translating, you know, uh, an Amazon listing about headphones or speakers. It's a lot of that. And then the next day it will be um, a, a luxury fashion website. Um, and at the moment I do a lot of work for um, a, a line of luxury hotels as well. So I think it's the variety that I really enjoy. Um, and also the, the creative, creativity side of it, the creative side. We not only translate, we don't just translate the language. We also have to adapt the, the content and the message to the French culture um, to make sure that, you know, they, they really engage with the content and they really understand it. And it is, it is geared towards, you know, their culture. Um, so it's all very creative and it's all, it's all really, really interesting. That sounds brilliant. For, for those listening who might not be, you know, familiar with that process of transcreation, yeah. would you like to tell um, them a little bit more about that or perhaps also use an example? 
Sure. Okay. So, um, so it's it's localization and transcreation. It's kind of two different things. So, localization is where you would look at, uh, you know, a, a text. It could be a product description or you know something on a website, um, and just make sure that it is it is geared towards the the, the target market that you know that is going to read it. Um, so we're looking at lots of different things. So, for example, uh, making sure cultural references um, in a text would make sense for the French audience. So, for example, the other day I was translating um, some, um, uh, a product description and it mentioned something about um, getting a pint uh, in the Red Lion, mm-hmm. which obviously because I know, uh, you know, I live in the UK, I know it's a pub. And I know it's something people do, but if I translated this word for word, it would just be completely lost on the French audience because we don't really, we don't meet at the pub. We don't really have a pint. It's just, it's just not a French thing. So if I would, if I were to translate this, you know, word for word, it just would fall flat in France. They just would be like, mm, well, what are they talking about? I don't understand. So I translated it with, um, just prendre un verre entre amis, so just you know having a drink um, with friends, which would just it would just connect more with the French audience. If that makes sense. So it's looking at all these little cultural references um, and just making sure that they are changed and adapted for the French audience. Um, and there's lots and lots of other different things. So um, I always need to look at. Um, Inclusivity and gender neutral, neutral language. So, in you know, using feminine and masculine, uh, the register is is a really big thing in in from English to French translation. So, obviously, in English, we've only got the you when we're addressing uh, an audience, but in France, we have to make sure uh, we use the right to or vous. Uh, you know, depending on the kind of the tone of voice uh, that the brand wants to go for. Um, we need to look at numbers and currencies and measurements, times to make sure that they are, you know, they are the way that we do in France. Um, there's there's so many different aspects of things that we need to consider, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. And tell us a little bit more about, you know, the, that tone of voice, because in German you have similar um hurdle almost to understand whether you want to use um do or z um yeah. in addressing someone tell us a little bit more about the kind of conversations you have with your clients about making that decision um, so i think it's it's about really understanding what the brand message is about i mean most of the time in e-commerce we would use the vu form when addressing um you know, a customer. Um, but there are instances where, you know, it might be a brand that is aimed at children, for example. So that wouldn't be appropriate. You wouldn't use the vous if it's if the message is directed, you know, directly at children, you would use two instead. Um, for example. Um, but I think that's something that you, yeah, I definitely have discussions with um, you know, the brands or the agencies that I work with. It just to make sure that that's it's their intention, you know, is carried through. 
That sounds great. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of the signs for um, businesses to see when they could consider the French market. When are they ready to really consider having um, their website or um, their e-commerce platform um, translated? Um, yes, sure. Um, I think I think businesses usually they've you know they've they've they're doing great in the UK in their own country. They've they've sorted out their brand message. They know what they're doing. They're confident with the way they're marketing their business. You know they've they've spent maybe you know a year or two um, really really working out their brand message and their brand voice. And if their, you know, their product is doing well on the UK market, then, you know, France is kind of, I mean, there are other countries, you know, um, Germany as well, or, you know, France, um, Spain or Italy. Um, but France is, is kind of a natural um, country and, and market to, to go into. Um, it's you know, the e-commerce market in France is really big. Amazon France, uh, which is a platform that I work a lot with, is uh, growing really, really, really quickly. Um, so it is, it's, um, it's, I think, especially Amazon, actually, it's a really good way to get into the French market um, because it's already got, you know, a, a, a custom base ready-made for you you know people go on Amazon anyway um so it makes your life a little bit easier I think as a brand brilliant so if people love listening to you and um would also perhaps work with you how would they best get in touch with you sure um so I've got a website www.clementinetarwaltranslation.com um, where I explain a little bit more about what I do. Um, there's a portfolio of, of uh, previous work if people want to see what work I have done um, and, uh, you know, um, how to contact me on there as well. Uh, I'm actually quite uh, also quite active on LinkedIn. So just look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Clementine Terrell, and I'd be happy to connect with people um, on there as well. Oh, that's fantastic. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, Clem. And um, thank you for sharing all your insights. And it's been so interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me, Yanina. It's been really, really interesting. Thank you. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Hi there. This is Yanina. I'm so pleased that you're here and listening to the podcast. For me, the podcast has been a great opportunity to learn and meet new people. I would like to bring together my community of like-minded people and so I'm delighted to invite you to our first meetup. The meetup will be taking place online on Thursday the 15th of July from 2pm to 3pm British summer time. The meetup will give you the opportunity to connect and meet some of the podcast guests and listeners. There will be a breakout room session for networking and a panel session for Q&A. You can book your free place at meetup.biculturalpodcast.com or click on the link within the show notes. I really hope to see you there and I can't wait to meet you. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Bicultural Podcast. 
Thank you for listening and bis bald.